tonight. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We are continuing to read our Bibles through this year. And um, uh, those of you that have made that commitment to read your Bible through are putting forth effort to do so. I know that God is blessing you as a result of that commitment. I know it. I don't have to say I hope He is. I know He is. And I know spiritually you are growing. Uh, It was uh, October, I believe, October 5th, um, which was uh, Friday, Colossians chapter number 1, and verse number 25. And uh, how many know who wrote the book of Colossians? Anybody know? Raise your hand if you know who wrote the book of Colossians. Right, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians. Does anybody know who he wrote this letter to? There you go. The church in Colossae. So therefore it's called Colossians. Uh, But uh, as you read at the end of the book, he says, when you finish with this letter, I want you to take it to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. So by extension, this letter was not just written to the church in Colossae, but it was written to the entire church. And uh, this is a a fantastic letter from the Apostle Paul. And um, we read all of it this week during our Bible reading. And um, I want to uh, look at the book of Colossians and and the central theme and the principal theme that's communicated in this book. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, it says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Everybody say entire. Entire message. God's entire message. And we know that throughout history that God communicated portions of his message glimpses of his message but uh, the Bible is saying here that it's the entire message let's look at the King James Version it says wherever I am made minister uh, according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God verse number 26 It says, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Let me read what the New Living Translation says. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. This entire message that the Apostle Paul was given the responsibility to communicate, this entire message which was hidden and a mystery, And a secret for generations and years. Yes, even thousands of years, centuries. But now it's been revealed to God's people. Verse 27. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. This is the hidden message. This is the best kept secret. The secret is Christ lives in you this gives you the assurance of sharing his glory king james version to whom god would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles that this uh message is available not just to the jews but to the gentiles which is that the message is the the mystery is this mystery is christ in you which is the hope of glory our hope 
is that Jesus Christ is not just some God that we encountered historically or that we study about, but the hope of glory is Jesus Christ inside of you. This is the great mystery that was not revealed for hundreds of years and generations before, but the Apostle Paul says now it's come to full circle so that now it's visible and obvious and everyone can see the mystery is revealed. The mystery is Jesus Christ living inside of you and this mystery fulfilling uh, uh, his glory in your life. And I want to talk to you uh, tonight for a few moments on uh, the book of Colossians. And my title, if you want a title tonight, is The Mysterious Plan Called Christ. The Mysterious Plan Called Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your word, Lord God. I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I thank you for the blessings, Lord Jesus, that are in my life, Lord God, and I enjoy them every day. But most of all, Lord, I'm thankful for you, Lord. I'm thankful that you came and gave your life on a cross for our sins so that we can have hope and not be miserable, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that you decided that you wanted to not live in a mansion. You didn't want to live just in the heavens, in glory, but that you wanted to live in a vessel a vessel made out of clay, and a human being, Lord Jesus. And I'm glad, Lord God, that when I gave my life to you and repented of my sins, Lord Jesus, and was baptized in your name, that you decided to live inside of me and give me great hope, Lord God. I thank you for this. I thank you for revealing the mystery, Lord Jesus, that for generations and years, Lord, many people were curious about and did not know about. I thank you for Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you for this mysterious plan, this secret plan, Lord God that's been revealed through you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. And you may be seated. <clears throat> Last year we had a mystery in the Brown household. And we had received $100 for Christmas from my wife's mother. <clears throat> my wife was keeping it in her purse for something whenever we decided what it is that we wanted. And... uh on one particular uh, afternoon, on a, I believe it was a Wednesday night, we had a missionary visiting Life Church, and we took that missionary out to dinner at Olive Garden. And while we were eating, we happened to look over and notice that our oldest daughter, Cambria, was playing with a $100 bill. Just kind of playing with it and uh, waving it around. And Sister Brown told Cambria, put up that money. Put that money in my purse and don't get it out again. And uh, so Cambria put up the money, and that was the end of the story, or so we thought. But uh, later that evening, my wife got into her purse and noticed that the money was gone. Where is the $100 bill? And so she asked me, first of all, do you know if anything happened with that $100 bill? I said, no, I don't know of anything that took place. And so then the next logical person to interrogate was Cambria. Cambria, did you put that money back in the purse? Yes, Mommy, I put the money back in the purse. Well, Cambria, it's not there anymore. Are you sure you put it? Yes, I'm sure I put it back in the purse. So the great mystery was unfolding. What happened to the $100 bill? $100 bills are hard to come by, so you don't want to just lose them. And so it went a step further, and 
my wife called Olive Garden and and told where we were sitting and actually knew the waitress's name, remembered the name, and asked her, did you see a $100 bill at the table? And uh, at this point, my wife was a little frustrated and was doubting the uh, honesty of this girl that said, no, uh, you left a tip on the card, but there was no cash on the table. We didn't want her to think that we left her a $100 bill as a tip. And uh, so my wife finally took Cambria, said, you left that money at the table. It's not in my purse. So we're going to Olive Garden, and we're going to dig through their trash cans in the back. And so Sister Brown and Cambria went back to Olive Garden's dumpster behind. They said they had already taken out the garbage, went back and dug through the dumpster looking for the money and found nothing. The mystery was great. Everybody had been interrogated. All the clues had been researched and observed. It was a couple days later when my wife was going through her purse and opened up a book, and there sitting in that book was a $100 bill because when she put it in the purse, she put it in a book. Life is full of mysteries. That's why there's private eye and detectives to try to figure things out to uh, connect the dots and collect the clues and come up with the answer to something that is hidden, something that is not revealed, and to understand what the mystery is. Some time ago, there was a young lady, uh, many of you have heard about in the news, that disappeared on uh, one of the uh, uh, Caribbean islands, I believe it was. And her name was uh, Holiday or uh, Holland or Holloway or something like that. And uh, they did everything that they could to solve this mystery. Uh, they interrogated or asked questions of many, many people. They collected all the samples that they could. They were trying to pull something that was not blatant and obvious and visible. They were trying to pull it to the surface and make it visible and get the answer and make it known and therefore solve the mystery. A mystery is about something that is hidden, something that is obscured, something that is not readily visible. You can't just walk up on a true mystery and figure it out and just just happen to casually get insight into what the mystery is. You have to be committed to it. You have to be willing to sacrifice and make every effort to obtain what is hidden and uh, make this mystery visible and obvious. The book of Colossians, I believe, the main theme of the book of Colossians is the mystery unveiled. The mystery or the secret plan of this book, specifically the Old Testament, revealed and made obvious and visible. And you see this many times uh, through Colossians as it refers to the mystery or in the New Living Translation, the secret plan being revealed, being unveiled. And this secret plan or this mysterious plan is the story and the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. This concept of a mystery is not just a theme of Colossians, but if you look at the full scope of the writings of the Apostle Paul, you see this concept of a mystery 
that was hidden for generations but is revealed in our generation, this theme appears again, again, and again in the writings of the Apostle Paul in Colossians and Ephesians and Romans and in the First and Second Corinthians. It talks again and again. And the Apostle Paul realizes and reveals that he is uniquely called and appointed by God to un- completely unveil this mystery. To not keep any of it hidden. The full plan of God from the beginning of time. God's secret plan. That very wise sages and prophetic individuals in the Old Testament had insights of only segments thereof and could not pull it together. But God gave the Apostle Paul the opportunity and the apostles in their doctrine the opportunity to pull it all together through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and unveil and unfold the full meaning of the Bible. The Old Testament, the whole purpose of God's plan on the earth, this secret mystery unveiled. Some examples in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9. The Apostle Paul says, I was chosen to explain to everyone this plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Paul said, I understand one thing. I was chosen by God. And I was chosen for this purpose. I was chosen to explain to everyone the plan that God had kept secret from the beginning of time. God had a plan from the beginning. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. When you look up the meaning of that word, word, it comes from the Greek word logos, which means thought or idea. Or expression. See, whenever I say a word, it's more than just a sound. It is a thought being revealed. And so when the Bible talks about in the beginning was the word, that means in the beginning was God's thought or secret plan. That's why in John chapter 1 verse 14 it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That means when Jesus came to the earth, God's plan took on flesh. God's secret, mysterious plan took on a body and dwelt among us. So God's plan from the beginning of time, God's thought from the beginning of time, God's expression, the the making obvious of his plan was Jesus Christ. And then in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 9, and so Ephesians 3, 9, also Ephesians 1, 9, God's secret plan plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ, designed long ago according to his good pleasure. God's secret plan is all about Jesus Christ. In fact, God's secret plan is not about Jesus Christ. God's secret plan is Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ is a revelation Of God's secret plan. Then in Romans chapter 16, verse 25, these are just some instances in Paul's writings where he talks about this mystery that uh, the church fathers didn't understand, or or not the church fathers, but the uh, patriarchs didn't understand, and the prophets and the writers of the Old Testament, even though they had revelation and direct inspiration from God, they did not have this plan put all together. Romans 16, 25 says, God is able to make you strong. Just as the good news or the gospel says, it is the message about Jesus Christ 
and his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they might believe and obey Christ. This mystery, this secret plan was a major theme in Paul's writing and in Paul's ministry. Now, this concept of, or this word that's translated mystery in Scripture, it's not really talking necessarily about something that you need to call a detective about. But when it's translated into the other modern English translations, it usually uses the term secret plan. So mystery, when you see mystery in Scripture, most often you could replace it with secret plan. God's secret plan. Anybody ever wondered why he wanted to keep it secret? Why didn't he make it clear from the beginning? Why doesn't he make it obvious to everyone? Why is it hidden? Why is it secret? Why is it a mystery? Now, we want to answer a few questions about this concept of a mystery as revealed in Colossians. And throughout, we're going to look throughout the book of Colossians for the next few moments to talk about this secret plan. Here's uh, four questions I want to answer. Number one, what is meant by mystery? Number two, where do we find the clues? Where did the apostle find the clues? And how do we find the clues to uh, solve this mystery and to understand this secret plan? Number three, why is the plan secret in the first place? And who is the plan supposed to be hidden from? And finally, number four, uh, what is this secret plan and what, what all is included in this secret plan? These are the questions about the mystery. Number one, what is a mystery? A mystery, as we told you, is a secret plan. You've got to obtain the clue. In order to figure out the mystery or get the secret plan, you've got to be observant. You've got to have a desire to discover hidden information. So the mystery is very simply God's secret plan. Everything about this one man named Jesus Christ is the mystery, is the hidden plan. And many people met Jesus Christ, heard his message, watched him teach, saw him perform miracles, but they did not understand the great secret plan. They missed the mystery, even though they met the mystery. They met Jesus and did not solve the plan and figure it out. Sadly, that is not exclusive to the time that Jesus Christ lived. But even today, there are people who go to church and people who hear preaching and people who say prayers to God and say the name Jesus Christ. However, they have not solved. They have not been observant enough. They have not been committed enough. They have not been willing enough to discover this hidden information that becomes visible and becomes obvious when a person understands the hidden secret plan or the mystery of God. So where do we find the clues to solve this mystery? Uh, I, this last week, I read a book to my daughter, Cambria, and the book was about a detective whose name was Jigsaw Jones. And he was a detective 
He was very successful. He made problems go away. But he only worked for a dollar a day. He was a second grader. But anyway, Jigsaw Jones made a list of all the clues. He made a list of all the suspects and all relevant information to the case to try to figure it out. And there are two key sources of clues for this mystery. And the first one is the Old Testament. Everyone say the Old Testament. The law and the prophets or the Old Testament. Colossians chapter number 2 and verse 16. In Colossians it says, Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Everybody understands this is the Old Testament law and ceremony. Verse 17, For these rules were only shadows of the real thing, Christ himself. Since the mystery, the great mystery, is Jesus Christ. The Bible makes more than one reference to the fact that the Law and the Prophets, also known as the Old Testament, is a shadow of what was to come, which is Jesus Christ. So if you're trying to figure out the mystery, the clues, many of the clues about this coming plan or this secret plan is hidden throughout the Old Testament. Everybody thought the Da Vinci Code was interesting. Searching for the hidden clues. Let me tell you something. God's law, the Old Testament, is full of hidden clues that become visible when you see Jesus Christ. All of these things that didn't make sense when Jesus Christ comes onto the scene, it all comes to the surface and becomes obvious and visible and suddenly makes sense because the Old Testament is a shadow or a teacher or a schoolmaster that is pointing us in the direction of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.24 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. What does that mean? Well, let's break it down. If Christ is God's secret plan, the Old Testament leads us to the secret plan. Leads us to the revelation or the unfolding or the revealing of the secret plan. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1 says, The old system in the law of Moses was only a shadow of the things to come, not the reality of the good things Christ has done for us. So the Old Testament was simply a series and a set of clues. Now, I don't suggest that you read this book because uh, it has some questionable elements to it. And it's uh, kind of a zany plot a little bit. But the Da Vinci Code that you've heard a lot about, I read this book before it became real, the, all the rage and popular in a movie and everything. But I, I, I read this book, and it was very curious that certain things along the way seemed very important but as this man had a quest for this hidden information and hidden he realized that these things were not an end in themselves these famous paintings these powerful clues that he had strove and sought for and trying to find finally found it it wasn't the real deal anyway all it was was a clue to lead him to the next clue and this is what the Old Testament was with all of its ceremonies and laws. It was not the reality. It was not the thing we're looking for. It was not God's secret plan. 
but it was a clue on the pathway to God's secret plan. So once you understand the meaning of it, then you can leave it behind and go on to the real thing, the important thing. It's just a step. And while it was such a quest to get to this painting that was going to give an answer, once he got the answer, the painting was no longer a concern to him. The quest was to find it, but once he found it, he realized it was just a schoolmaster to lead him to where he was really seeking to go. The same is true with the Old Testament. The Bible is saying here, that's why it says in Colossians, don't let anybody condemn you or get all over you because you don't observe the holy days of the Old Testament or the ceremonies or the Sabbaths because all of these things, we're just a shadow. What you need to be concerned about is Jesus Christ and pleasing Him and having a relationship with Him and being in love with Him and obeying Him. Everyone said amen. It's only a shadow of things to come and the reality. All of these things were clues. The Old Testament was full of clues. Jesus Christ is the reality. Everything in the Old Testament was subtly pointing. To Jesus Christ. Everything in there of significance and meaning is pointing you toward Jesus Christ and his principles and his purity. Because the secret plan of God, the plan of God from the beginning of time is Jesus Christ. So the first place where you harvest many clues about the ministry is the Old Testament. The second place where you harvest many clues about the purpose or the God's secret plan, of course the life of Jesus, but... The second place is the teaching of the apostles. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, God did not reveal to previous generations, but now he has revealed it by the Holy Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. One thing that the apostles were given by God, these great men who wrote the New Testament, The New Testament was written by the apostles. Everybody say amen. And this apostolic understanding that God gave to them and revealed to these apostles was something that was hidden for generations. And so what the apostles wrote did not contradict the Old Testament, but what the apostles did was pull together all the clues and clearly reveal and explain what was hidden, the message and the mystery of Jesus Christ. All right, here's the next point, the next question. We, we, we've answered what is a mystery, where do we find the clues to mystery number three. Why was the plan kept secret in the first place? What, what's the reason for keeping this plan a secret? Why, why is it a mystery? Why is it something that someone has to put together the clues and understand why isn't it just plain and obvious and clear? I see two reasons from Scripture. I see two reasons for the Word of God. Number one, God's secret plan is really about Jesus Christ coming to the earth and obtaining for himself a bride. Everyone say bride. Bride of Christ. And so those who understand and unfold and submit to and obey the mystery of the secret plan of Jesus Christ, end up becoming a part of the bride of Christ. The church is made up of people who understand the mystery and the secret plan of Jesus Christ. Everybody with me? And so here's the deal. 
God doesn't want just any old buddy in the bride. But the bride is to be made up of more than just the casual observer or some unconcerned person. But this secret plan would only become visible and obvious to those who are committed and serious and spiritually in tune and desirous of what God has for them. See, this is the greatest blessing God ever gave was to be a part of the bride of Christ. And God's blessing, you don't just stumble into them. Amen. Remember, remember what did Jacob do to get his blessing? He wrestled till the break of dawn. said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. God says, I can bless somebody like that. God said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Esau said, I don't care. Jacob said, whatever i got to do, I'm tuned into this thing. And those that are going to obtain the blessings of God, the greatest blessing of which being a part of the bride of Christ, are going to be those who are not wrapped up in worldly things, but serious and tuned in about observing the things of the Spirit. I want to be tuned into God. I want to understand His ways. I want to know what is the truth. See, this plan is secret so that not just anybody could stumble into it. This plan is secret so that those that are serious about God, uh, amen, those that are serious. Who would want to marry somebody that don't really care about you anyway to find out a little bit about you? Amen. When I fell in love with my wife, I did a little research. I think she did some research too. That's why I think it's good. Let me just uh, deviate here for a second. Young people downstairs, they should hear what I'm saying. You know, it's good when you decide you want to date somebody. And you're a Christian, a child of God, and that's a godly person, that that uh, a person, a believer, an understander of truth. You know what you ought to do before you get serious with that person? Is go say, Pastor, I like so and so. Maybe she's in this church. Maybe she's in another church. Pastor, I want to know. Do you know anything about that? Oh, that's that's spying on somebody. That's snooping around. No, it's not. And God, God put a pastor in your life as a shepherd. Pastor can pick up his phone and call her pastor or his pastor. Say, so-and-so is, is wanting to date one of the kids from my church. It's a good kid. Tell me about her. The pastor may say, ooh, we better pull that thing in reverse. Amen? Because I know some things. Because you know, we're talking about something serious here when we're talking about marriage. And Jesus Christ's bride, he's serious about his bride. He doesn't want anybody just to stumble into the bride that's not really concerned and not really committed. I want somebody to stumble into the bride of Christ that maybe come in with impure motives. Just coming. uh, I've seen people before serve God because their boyfriend's serving God. I don't think they're going to be a part of the bride of Christ until somewhere along the way they decide, I love Jesus more than anything. Somewhere along the way there's got to be a winnowing out. There's got to be somewhat of a, a sieve that, that captures the things that don't belong in the bride of Christ. And this is the mystery, the mystery of godliness, God's secret plan, is designed in such a way that those that don't belong in the bride are not going to get into God's secret plan. But those that belong in the bride, God's going to reveal it to me. You say, is this your opinion, Brother Brown? No, look in the Word of God, Mark chapter 4 and verse 10. Jesus had just given a parable to a large group of people about the seed and the sower. He had told a story, and the story was about a farmer that was sowing seed. And uh, at the end of the story, he talked about 
Some of the seed falling on wayside, thorny ground, stony ground, and good ground. Some bringing forth, the, the birds ate it up. Others started to grow and then choked out. Others started to grow and then scorched. And then others started to grow and some gave forth 20 and 50 and 100 fold multiple, multiple harvest. And so it's a great story about the harvest. Everybody's intrigued. And then in verse 10 it says, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, verse 11, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parable. In other words... Those that are on the outside hear the same thing that you hear. But to them, it's just a nice story. But to you, it becomes so much more. Because it is unto you is given the mystery or the secret. So you can hear the word and miss the mystery. Because there's got to be something in your heart. Something in your spirit. That says, I love Jesus with everything inside of me. I want to find out about him. I want to please him. I want to know him. Amen. I want to know him. Praise the Lord. So it's not for the casual observer, the unconcerned. Number two, the reason it's a mystery is that it is not to be understood through worldly wisdom. In other words, you can't get enough psychology degrees. You can't just get a Ph.D. and get in the Bible and figure out God's mystery. It is something that God reveals in a divine or a spiritual way. If it was just obvious, anybody with any kind of brains could figure it out. But since it's, it's hidden in such a way that God says, only those who are the called, who are the chosen, only those who have put me first, amen, only those who have the desire of their heart after me will understand. It could not be figured out by the wisdom of men. 1 Corinthians 2.6 Yet when I'm among mature Christians, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world, and not the kind that appeals to the rulers of this world who are being brought to nothing. Listen, verse 7. No, the wisdom we speak of is the secret wisdom of God, which was hidden in former time, though he made it for our benefit before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. They missed it because it can't be figured out with astrology and astronomy. It can't be figured out with psychology and theology. They, If they had understood it, they would never have crucified our glorious Lord. Amen. They never would have crucified Jesus. They missed it because this mystery can't be unveiled and unfolded through worldly means. It is a spiritual mystery. And if these doctors of religious law who missed Jesus had known, they never would have crucified him. So it's hidden from the world. And it's hidden from insincere or casual or bad-motived believers. It's hidden. Amen. So why is the mystery hidden? Because God has a bride. He's Making a bride, and he wants those that are serious in the bride of Christ. He wants a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He wants those that are serious. Amen? 
to understand this secret or hidden mystery from the word of the Lord. So, next question, number four, final question. What does this mystery entail? You've told us, Pastor, what a mystery is. told us where to find the clues to the mystery. You've told us why it's a mystery. Now, what is mystery? Now, see, you know it. You understand it, but I'm just kind of presenting it in this light so you get a fuller understanding what the mystery or the secret plan of God is, this mystery that the Bible refers to many, many times, particularly in the writings of Paul. The book of Colossians lets us know what the mystery entails. If you can turn to October 5, you're reading from from, uh, Friday, October the 5th, Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 and 26. We read it earlier. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. So Paul's responsibility was to declare the entire mystery, to make it visible, to make it obvious, and to make it known. And I believe this is the main theme of the book of Colossians, is the revealing of God's mystery, making plain of God's mystery. Verse number 27, the next verse. What is the mystery? For God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. As we mentioned earlier, Jesus Christ is the secret plan, and the secret plan includes Jesus Christ living in you. And while it was unknown in the Old Testament, and many of the Jews and the scholars of the law missed Jesus, uh, all of these prophecies of the coming Redeemer, yet they still missed Jesus. And the mystery and the hope is Jesus Christ in you. The hope is Jesus on the inside working on the outside. And as I said, Jesus is God's plan entirely. John 1.1, 1, 1, the Word was made flesh. In the beginning was the Word. God's plan is what was in the beginning with God. Now, if we can skip to uh, uh, the next October 6, chapter 2 and verse 2. Actually, it's on the same day. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, I want you... I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. God's mysterious plan is Christ himself. The apostle says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand. So, what is When you get into chapter 2, what is the purpose of chapter 2? Is giving you confidence that you understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In other words, God wants you to be able to understand Christ, who he is, what he came for, what he does, and how he relates to you. You guys still with me? So chapter 2 and verse 2, God's mysterious plan is Christ himself, the entire Bible is about Jesus Christ, even though we don't hear his name until Matthew. It's about Jesus. And then verse 3, the same chapter. You all with me in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything you need to know is hidden in 
Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Everything you need to know is in Jesus Christ. The whole mystery is revealed in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you this because there will be those with well-crafted arguments that are going to try to deceive you. So the gospel plan, the plan of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection is the great mystery. And while we see the clues in the Old Testament of the sacrifice of bulls and goats, the ram that was caught in a thicket was a type or a shadow of Jesus Christ. Amen? The Passover lamb that was slain so that every house would be passed over. The rite of circumcision and the tabernacle plan, all of these are pointing to the redemption or the substitutionary lamb, which was Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's secret plan. It was revealed when we saw the ram show up caught in the thicket so Isaac didn't have to die. Isaac, you don't have to die because there's a ram in the thicket. Children of Israel, there's a death angel of judgment coming, but you don't have to die because there was a lamb that died, and you took his blood and applied it to your doorpost. Amen? The Old Testament plan of the tabernacle, you got sin in your life, but you don't have to pay for your sin because there's a lamb or a ram or a turtle dove or a goat that's slain on the altar. This is all a shadow of God's secret plan, which was that you're a sinner, you're bound for judgment, you're going to experience God's condemnation and damnation, but wait, here is a plan. There is a lamb that is to be slain, and that lamb was Jesus Christ. And he was slain on a cross. So the mystery is, number one, that the New Testament plan of Jesus Christ is the real plan. And the Old Testament was just a shadow pointing to the new plan. The reason this was a mystery in their day, as you, if you could get in the mind of Paul and the others then, is that the majority of the Jewish people had rejected Jesus Christ and were embracing the Old Testament, still waiting for the Messiah, still practicing the rites and observances of the Old Testament. Paul was saying, here's the mystery, boom, unveiled for those that are believers in Jesus Christ. And that is that the Old Testament is just a shadow. It's just a clue to lead you to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, or Jesus Christ and his blood, is the real plan. Amen? And this even goes, uh, you, you can see this in chapter 2, verse 11 in, uh, of Colossians, when it talks about circumcision. Circumcision in the Old Testament was the sign of being in covenant with God. But in the New Testament, verse 11, it says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. But not by a physical procedure. Jesus Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. Verse 12, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Here's the secret plan of God. Circumcision was not the real deal. Circumcision was something that was a clue pointing to the real covenant sign. 
which was that Jesus was going to cut away your old sinful nature when you were buried with him in waters of baptism in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I found it interesting. Some of you may have noticed this, that we've got this New Testament understanding that the Old Testament was uh, just a shadow, and even the physical sign of circumcision, which was the covenant sign, was a shadow of spiritual circumcision of baptism. It's interesting, on October 7th, the next day, in our Old Testament reading, uh in Jeremiah chapter 9, this is interesting when this happens, this happens several times, that in the way they have this uh, this one-year Bible broken up, I'm reading an Old Testament passage for the day, and it's like, that is talking about what I was just reading in the New Testament. And, and where is it? Jeremiah chapter number 9 and verse 25, October 7th. It says, A time is coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised in body but not in spirit. The Egyptians, Edomites, Ammonites, Moabites, these are non-Jews. The people who live in the desert and remote places, and yes, even the people of Judah. And like all these pagan nations, the people of Israel also shall have uncircumcised hearts. So the Bible was predicting that there's coming a day when physical circumcision is not going to be the issue anymore. But spiritual circumcision is going to be the issue. So the first mystery is, amen? That the New Testament plan is the real plan. The Old Testament is just a shadow. And finally, the purpose of Jesus' sacrifice, the whole purpose for the gospel, is that Christ was going to live in you. That's why John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. But he also said, I baptize you with water, but he's coming after me, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus didn't just die to take your sins away, but Jesus died because his ultimate purpose was to live inside of you through receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is God's secret plan. And and the apostle says, this is the mystery. People don't understand it. People don't understand it. They're still following the Old Testament law. But the reality is Jesus came. He died to fulfill the Old Testament. And now guess what? The whole thing is so he can live inside of you. The whole thing is so Jesus can live inside of you. It's Jesus in you. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't receive another part of God. You get Jesus on the inside. That's why Jesus in John chapter 14 said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to ask the Father. He will send you another comforter, which is the spirit of truth. But then he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's why the Bible says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. Not a different spirit. It's Jesus in me. It's Jesus Christ living on the inside. Praise the Lord. Mystery number two. The second part of the mystery is that the plan includes Gentiles. People then didn't understand that. The Jews were God's chosen people. But Ephesians 3.6 says this is the secret plan. The Gentiles 
have an equal share with the Jews in all the riches inherited by God's children. Both groups have believed the gospel, and both are part of the same body and enjoy together the promise of blessings through Christ Jesus. This is a mystery that they didn't understand. Even many in the church at first didn't understand, and there was a big argument and debate. But the mystery revealed is that this gospel plan is not just for the Gentiles, but that it's for the, just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles as well. And you see clues of that in the Old Testament. You see hints of that coming in the Old Testament. But it's pointing to the real plan, which is Jesus Christ. Mystery number three, the third part of the mystery, is uh, if you look at verse 2 of Colossians chapter 2. Back to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, um, I want you to be encouraged and knit together. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. The mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. But if you look at the King James Version, I think it's insightful. Colossians 2.2. 2. Does anybody have that in the King James Version? You can stand up and read that real loud for us. King James Version. Colossians 2, verse 2. It says, I want, you to be, I want you to have full assurance of understanding. Hmm. I want you to fully understand the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Because in verse 4 it says, I'm saying this lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Church, I want you to have a full understanding. Of the mystery of who Jesus is, who he is in relationship to the Father, who he is. I want you to understand God and the Father and Jesus Christ so that you're not enticed or beguiled by enticing words. Because who Jesus is, is a mystery. It was a mystery to them who met him and saw him. What a teacher, what a prophet. Who is Jesus he, I wish I could get the point across with a lot of passion because he is saying here, let me, let me read the first part of how the New Living Translation says it. He says, uh, uh, of chapter 2, verse 2, I want you to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan of God and Jesus Christ and the Father. I want you to have complete confidence that you understand this mystery. And if you understand this mystery of who Jesus is. Colossians is about unfolding and unveiling this mystery of God and Jesus Christ and the Father. I want you to understand this mystery. This great mystery of God and the Father of Christ and Christ is called the Godhead. Everyone say the Godhead. Paul is saying watch out for beguiling words regarding this mystery. Notice how Colossians, even before chapter 2, has already made reference to this mystery. In chapter 1, verse 15, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, and I found out that this is the Apostle Paul putting in one of their hymns. As he's writing, he just starts writing one of the popular hymns of the day that they sang in their churches. 
That's why if you see it in your Bible, it's kind of a little, little bit of different parentheses and stuff. Because it is revealing a song that they sang. Christ is the invisible image, or the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything, was created, and is supreme over all creation. This is what they used to sing in the New Testament church. Do you know that? This is the kind of songs they sang. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything was created and supreme. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. He made the things we can see. He made the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else. And He holds all of creation together. He's also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This was a song they sang in the New Testament church. Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. God said, I want all the fullness of the Godhead revealed through Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. This hymn was something that they sang. Also, chapter 2, the theme of chapter 2 is the mystery of God in relationship to the Father and to Christ. And in chapter 2 and verse 8, chapter 2 and verse 8 of Colossians, it says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. (laughs) High-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Notice he's writing to the book, to the church in Colossians, the New Testament church. And he's saying, I'm writing this to you so that you don't get confused or captured with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Stuff that sounds real sophisticated, but when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Kind of like he's three person, but he's just one person. He's three person in one God. Well, that sounds good, maybe, but it doesn't make sense. The interesting thing is, as you study this, when you study the evolution and the development of the doctrine of the teaching of the Trinity, it came into being about 200 years after the book of Colossians was written. And he's saying, be careful about people that try to explain this after the ways of man's thinking. That's what it says right here. From human thinking. Be careful. Because the uh, people that uh, wrote and taught the doctrine of the Trinity... Admit that it comes from the teachings of Plato, who was a philosopher at the time. Amen. Hallelujah. And so Paul lays it out here as you read on. Verse 9, for in Christ, Jesus Christ, lives all the fullness of God in a human body. I mean, that's all, that's all you need, okay? That explains it all for you. Who's Jesus? Jesus is God in a human body. Don't let anybody spoil you with philosophy and vain deceit, 
after the rudiments and the traditions of the world. Guess what? You know who Jesus is? Jesus is all of God, the fullness of God, everything that God is in a human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and every authority. The point is, the mystery unveiled is, who was this man? This man called Jesus, this son of God, who called God his father. Who was he? He was all of God. It was God's will that the fullness of God be revealed in a human body. Okay, let's stand together. I'm so sorry. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Paul once again makes reference to this concept of a mystery. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the secret plan, secret understanding of the Godhead. But those of you that will hear, listen to what I have to say, the Apostle Paul is saying. God was manifest in the flesh. I mean, can you get any plainer than that? It's a great mystery, I'll admit. How can there be one God and Jesus be God? How can... There only be one eternal God, and Jesus existed forever, according to Colossians. How, how does that happen? God was manifest, made visible in the flesh. Great is the mystery. It's a mystery. It's a secret plan. But guess what? Those that are willing to listen and hear, listen to hear the plan. The plan is that the one true and living God, Jehovah, the creator of the world, was made visible, manifest in the flesh. And when you saw Jesus, apostles, guess what? When you saw Jesus, you didn't just see a prophet or a teacher or a part of God, but you saw the Creator, the one true and living God revealed in the flesh. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the beginning and the ending. Jesus is the altogether lovely. Jesus is Jehovah Jireh. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. Jesus is the Creator. Jesus was there at the beginning. Jesus will be there at the ending. He has no beginning of days. He has no ending of days. Though the man Christ Jesus was begotten, it was God in the flesh reconciling the world unto Himself. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I had more to say because the rest of the book of Colossians talks about what we're supposed to do now that we have this mystery unveiled. How we're supposed to act and what we're supposed to do. We'll save that for a different time. But praise God and thank God about this mystery. The main point, though, the last point is because we've got this mystery. Because God has shown the secret plan and revealed to those that are willing to look and just see it there. No, I'd rather use high-sounding psychobabble. No, just do what the Bible says. It's, it's plain. It's obvious. It's clear right there in the Word of God. Accept it and go forward with it, but do it in an attractive way is what the Bible says. Do it with love. Share the message everywhere. Paul said, I'm going to go everywhere unveiling this message. I want you to do the same. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we thank you for your Word. We thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to understand the truth the secret plan, Lord, that Jesus, you came and died on a cross for our sins so that we wouldn't have to die or bear the consequences for our sins. But the ultimate plan is not just that you would die and we would say thank you for dying for me. But your plan was you died so our sins could be washed away so you could come in and live inside of us. 
through the glorious baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that secret plan. Thank you for revealing it in my life, Lord Jesus. Finally, Lord, I'm thankful, Jesus, that we understand and have insight into who you are, Lord God. You're not just a prophet or a teacher, Lord God. You're not just a portion of some Godhead, but you are the living God. You are the Father. Hallelujah. You are the Father, Lord Jesus. Uh, Just as Isaiah declared, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Jesus, thank you for this understanding, Lord God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that we know who you are. Jesus, you are God. Jesus, you are the mighty God. Jesus, you are the one true and living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, You are the creator. Come down to earth in the flesh. Uh, I thank you, Jesus. And when I get to heaven, Lord, I can't wait to see you. When I get to heaven, I'm looking for you, Jesus. Uh, I'm looking for you, Jesus, because there's going to be one throne. There's going to be one that sits on it, uh, and it's going to be Jesus, uh, our Father. Hallelujah. Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Share love with one another. God bless you. Uh, I'm sorry. I was supposed to do this beforehand. Brother Donnie wants to meet with the prayer team. All those that are a part of the prayer team, just real briefly downstairs. Right, Brother Donnie, which, which room?